created a monster with you, Scott. I know. I know. I just, so, all I want to so, do is go back and spend money now. So, Paul, yeah, I get this text. Hey, what are you doing next weekend? I'm like, why? <laughs> what are you doing Saturday? Why? Well, I was kind of thinking of coming back over to that store. <laughs> you hit the first taste is free. <laughs> Hey, man, you got any more of that comic shop? Yeah, I always got any more of them comic books. <laughs> so you realize we didn't pay any tax on those books, right? I didn't really. I'm reporting you guys it. to the IRS. Oh, man, because he's like, yeah, give You're me both. 70. So I gave him 70, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And narc. It's animals like you that, that cause my, my uh, all, use all my money. Shut up. <laughs> I'm living, off, living off my teat. I got the full Winnick run. I, oh, of course, I had to pay yeah. full price. I had to pay like three fifty for that last issue. But considering I paid next to nothing for the rest of it, I got all 50 issues any annual. And next special. to nothing. I oh. gave him a piece of lint. <laughs> what really uh, what really inspired me to want to come back over there is, for one, there was that, that stack of Superboy stuff that I told you I'd, I felt like a dope because I, I never went deeper than the first issue that was sitting in but then also I was, you know, looking back at the pictures, you know, that I took and somebody had posted something about, you know, what those ghost books go for. And I thought about that at the time. I thought, fuck, they're a quarter. I had to pick them up. And I was like, no, you know, I don't know what else I'll find or whatever. And then later on, I'm like, damn, why did I pick those up? Because, I mean, it's nothing I'm personally interested in. But, yeah, I mean, those books, because they're, they're hard to find, you know. Mm. And they weren't in bad shape or anything, so I'm thinking about going back and just... You're going to go back and they're going to be $3 each. Yeah. Or they'll be gone, one of the two, but hopefully, you know... You're like, I gotta go back! We gotta go back, Kate! We gotta go back! We gotta go back to the island! (laughs) But, you know, that's how it is. Oh, I was so sad because I stopped by... uh... Uh, I went over. To, I was over in Winter Haven Tuesday, so I went to the comic shop in Bartow. Which now, is that where Popeye comes from? Bartow? No, Winter Haven. No, Sweet that's Haven. Sweet oh, Haven. oh, oh, oh. And that shop over there isn't too bad, but it's it's like I'm spoiled now that I've been to that one shop. It's like I, I don't want to go anywhere else. Even my own LCS, I'm like, ah, back issues for a dollar. <laughs> and he was running a 75% off sale you know so I'm like well I'm not buying anything above four dollars because I ain't paying more than a dollar for this crap <laughs> then I went by Ollie's today and uh, they had a couple Ollie well, Ollie oxen free exactly they had some uh, some trades that were like four dollars and I'm thinking hmm maybe I need to come here and dig through these trades they've got them up they're not like all in a big bin now. They're up on some shelves, which is worse because some of the. F- I'm like, who the f- is reaching that? You know, Lurch? I can't reach up there. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell are you people thinking? Who's going to buy that top it? row of books? <laughs> can, I get a t- can I get a step stool in aisle five, please? Morons. Wow. Surrounded by morons. Morons. But yeah, I'm like. I want to go back to the store and then go to the massage parlor. <laughs> <laughs> Happy right ending, boy. Door. 
What do you mean Bob Craft's still here? Get out of the store, you old man. Massage parlor, too. I don't want to see Bob Craft buy any of my comics. My comics. Mine. 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 Notes. On, oh, there it is right there. Notes? We don't need right. notes on this. Oh, yes, we do. Where is my... Oh, it's it's a... F- oh, did I leave the... P- no, the... F- is closed. I gotta go find it again. <laughs> Look, man. He's a f***ing pain in the ass. She is. No, just my... My shitty mood. Shitty mood. Uh, I need you to get me when you come over. You just make me... <laughs> and now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. Bitch, bitch, bitch. Wine, wine. Just. Mm, mm, mm. Deep breaths. Mm. You want me to send somebody down there to take care of things for you? <laughs> Would you? <laughs> Could you? How much? Oh, no. I shouldn't say that because this is. I know the NSA has just recorded this. <laughs> I'll be the first person they come looking for. I'm, I'm wearing a wire. It's called Skype. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Believe me, if I, if I was going to rub out anybody, it would, it would be much closer to home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just hoping for hoping for nature to take its course on its own. Mm. But yeah, if... If I get some more time, then I can maybe find some more things that I'm looking for, Scott. So that way I can look for other, you know, stuff. Because I, I don't have any money. It was time. Time. It was time, time now. Fast. Oh, I would like in a future show to cover the two specials, the Infinity Inc. and the Batman, or the Outsider special. Because I read them, and one of them was beautiful and glorious, and the other one sucked! <laughs> the art wait, was wait, what horrible. Now? The specials. What specials? Infinity Inc. and Who Outsiders. Special? The oh. two-part crossover. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, was it bad? I, don't, I, I really uh, don't remember. The story's not bad. Eh, well, up to a point, but the art, the art in the first one, I was like, oh, man, this is great. Man, look at the detail in this. And I got to the, I got to the second one, and it was like I was reading a horror book from the 50s with the, with, with the level of the art. I'm like, what happened? Did they call anybody a cube uh, in it? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like shitty Ditko is what it was, is, is what it looked like. <laughs> shitty Ditko. Shitko, I well, don't know. What do you want good to call Ditko, it? Ditko, I, you know, I like some Ditko, but people who try to emulate Disco, Dick, Disco, I Disco. Say, Ditko. Steve <laughs> Disco. Steve, Disco Steve. An action figure. Steve but, Disco uh, Duck. People who try to emulate Ditko usually fail miserably. 
because they 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 copy the simple line work, but they don't get the scope of the pictures at all. Right. So, faux Ditko is a bad thing. Faux Ditko. <laughs> Fitko. The only one I've ever seen work where people try and, you know, homage them off the top of my head that I think is enjoyable is every once in a while I've seen a Kirby homage that's been good. But other than hey. that, you know, we, we oh. just, uh, when you guys couldn't make it, uh, Jim Dietz brought on uh, Defenders number 50. And that's, uh, what's his name, Keith Giffen doing Jack Kirby. And that all is great. Why do you never get any of these people when I'm here? Because when you're here, I don't have to ask other people to come on. <laughs> but you could. They, well, they don't like you. Uh, that's that's the sense I'm getting. No, the, the reality is, if you guys are on, I just relax. When you guys tell me you can't make it, then I put out the call for other people to come on. Hmm. I'm content speaking to you, gentlemen. It's when you're not available that I throw out the call. I think this car is a... I want to say that's a Mustang. What? I want to say this car in page... Uh, oh, are you looking at the book? Yeah, why would you do that? I just I had it, but I lost it. Where'd it go? I ain't got it. Uh, What's next? You son of a. So for some reason today at work, I was I was trying to sing the songs from the from the Sylvester. Like at the end, where they're all singing, they're going ah 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 ah, with the cartoon when all the cats are you know when he kills them all (laughs) at once. It's got that stupid thing in my head. I've had it, yeah, I've had it in my head, too. I had You're it. talking about the one when he has nine lives and they just kill him off one at a time? Yeah, and he keeps singing on the yeah. singing on the back fence, and he's doing all the cha, different... Cha-cha-cha! <laughs> <laughs> he's I can't, stomping up and down the... He's stomping I can't up and picture down the, the song at all. Oh, there's so many. There's so many in there. I'm telling oh. you, we got to do a Looney Tunes podcast. We do. We really... I was thinking about that, too. We yeah, really we should, do. We, should, we have so much free time, we should expand to other shows. <laughs> No, we need to do a back to the bins one-off special back to on bins. Yeah, and just see how it goes. You know, maybe like a Looney Tunes spotlight or some shit. Now I'm doing cha cha cha. What is the name of that ca- cartoon? Because I need to sit down and watch it, that. Because it, it, it was fun to listen to it, and it was amazing. I don't think I've seen that, watched that com- that thing in like 20, 25 years. But as soon as you played it, it was like all the audio from it. I knew what was coming up, and I was starting to sing along with parts of it. Back Alley Uproar is the name. Back, back Alley Uproar. It's on YouTube because I watched it and laughed my ass off. <laughs> I like the part where he's singing out there and he goes, especially for someone, and Elmer Fudd closes the window and the phone rings and he goes, Hello? <laughs> he goes, and me keeps saying over the phone. It's oh, like, it's not Sylvester. It's just another cat. That's I right. love that. No, it's Sylvester, isn't it? No, I'm looking. There's oh, there's an not. orange pig. I mean, no, there there is an orange one he brings in later. But the one oh. that does the primary singing, I think, is Sylvester. Because he does the he does the you know spitting thing. Oh and all yeah, that, yeah. that is a the, funny one. Where's the full episode? I see the different parts. You know, there's, he's got them. The other part I like is when uh, when he's chasing Sylvester and Sylvester closes the or no he he runs through a door and then when Elmer tries to run through it it's made of bricks or something he smashes into it 
But as he's running, he goes, if I if I catch you, I'll break any, every bone in your knee. He hits the wall, and he goes, head. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny one. Ah, la, 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 la. I'm playing it now. Scram! Get out of here! So I got some disappointing news today. Uh oh. I'll stop playing cartoons. I was all excited. It's not from your ticket thing, is it? No. No. So I earlier this week, I graciously got an invite from a work friend of mine. Um, there was a special event that's going on at Hollywood Studios for it's for cast only, and it's after hours, and it was to come watch the original Star Wars. Uh, you know they're going to play it in, in one of the theaters there at the studios, and I, I got all excited about. It. I was, oh, I want to go do that, and she, you know, you you were allowed to bring one person with you. And she didn't have anybody, you know. She's she's a single woman, you know, and, and lives here. Her kids are she all got the hots for you. No, she she's she could be my, like like my grandmother. So yeah, a little, she, little uh, cougar action. <laughs> right. Well, like a mountain. So you know, lion. she she knows me, and she knows she knows Missy because uh, one other time she'd won something else and had some spots, so she gave them to Missy and I, and we went with her to. Uh, it was when the it's when Toy Story Land debuted. That's how we got to preview it together because we went with her. Her her name is Kathy. So Kathy had this this spot for Star Wars, and you know she had a plus one available. So she asked me if I would go, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. So I was supposed to go tomorrow night, and it was going to be at midnight. So it's going to be midnight to 3 a.m. Which I'll be honest, I wasn't really looking about the you know looking forward to the crazy late night, but it it's it, it sounds like fun, you know. Well, come to find out, the way they had posted it, they posted it really funny. So all the dates and everything at the top of it says May 31st. But then if you look all the way at the bottom in the fine print, it said that, you know, to be there at, I think it was like by 1145 on the 30th, which is tonight. So it doesn't start midnight of the 31st and go into the 1st, it starts tonight and goes into the 31st. And I was like, shit! Because I gotta work, you know, tomorrow. And there, there was no way, so... Mm. So I can't go. Sucks. I, can I mean, I'll be you, honest I with you. I can lend you as, a, as a, as a VHS a, tape of it. <laughs> but it's not like I don't have it. And that's what I told her. I said, well, it's not like I don't you know, I don't have it and don't have access to it. It's just, you know, I was looking forward to going. And there was, you know, there was other p- folks from work that were going to go, too. So, you know, I was looking forward to, you know, spending some time with work friends and, and, you know, watching Star Wars. But, oh, well, hopefully there'll be there'll be another opportunity. Plus, she's she's leaving soon. She bought a house in where the hell did she say Virginia, I think she said. Because she's she's missing her her she has a daughter and she's really been missing her daughter a lot lately and everything and so she wants to to move to where she's closer to her daughter and everything so she's she's leaving the Disney life behind. Cause how you guys doing? Uh, uh, what? Ah, uh, great. <laughs> yeah, I'm great because Scott is making me go broke looking for comic books. <laughs> But like I said, I found all the ones in the Judd Winnick run, so I'm happy. Of course, now of course I found a bunch at at that fuck at uh, Emerald City, but I refuse to buy them there because I'll have to go through you know the sloth sloth 
book grader again. <laughs> My only hope is to hope that that guy gets more books in. This book is $2.50. And cents. Three plus cents. tax. <laughs> oh, wait. The tax rate changed. Let me get my... All right, forget it. I don't want the book. <laughs> it was Action Comics number one. I don't want it even for $2 anymore. Belay. You doing a show or what? Phaser. Yep. Order. Oh, sorry. I was going to start the motion picture. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro. That's Bill Robinson. Hello, listeners. <laughs> and that's Scott H. Gardner. Hi. And the H stands for high. <laughs> nah, Today, I told you what, that I figured it out, right? Because it's for yeah. Jesus H. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Scott H. Gardner. Today we're looking at the critically acclaimed TV movie, The Burning Bed. What? Starring Farrah Fawcett in a, in a breakout role after... Wait what? a minute. Whoa, whoa. I think I watched the wrong thing. What? Uh, I watched... Uh, I can't think of anything, uh, anything else with burning in it. <laughs> Darn it. What's that? I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning for you. What? Mm. Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They have one song as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> they have two, because they have that they one. They have two. Yeah. Is that the flip side? <laughs> it's their greatest hits, uh, 45. So my dad had Blue Oyster Cults on a 45, but I could not tell you what song was on the other side. I think I listened to it once. My dad would never in a million years be listening to Blue Oyster Cult. They used to do uh, concerts in small clubs where they wouldn't announce, you know, they wouldn't want to announce that they were there because I guess they would get a big crowd. So they used to go under the name oh, Soft, they, Soft White Underbelly. Soft White un Underbelly. They did Godzilla, guys. They so did? They got three songs. Yes. Oh, no. They say he's got to go. Go, go, no, Godzilla. How yeah, yeah. well did a of that for my birthday one year <laughs> which i helped him did write you, thank you very much did you really yes i did oh good um, remind me to punch you in the head the next time I see you. <laughs> that was hilarious it's not quite not quite as good as my spataro did you write the um, cardio line i don't remember <laughs> i don't remember right, if i find I out might... it was you get a punch in the head and a kick in the ass <laughs> that was, hey. funny. It was funny though Chris did all the added all the sound effects with you. He's got a fat head. You know what's funny is you know seven seven years of doing that that show, and every time I would play a bit for my wife that I did that I thought was funny, she'd just look at me like oh, you're an idiot. And then you, you like you or Chris would come up with a bit and do it, and I'd play it for her, or she'd overhear it while I was listening in the car. So I mean, she'd just laugh her ass off. I'm like, the hell, I can't make her laugh for anything. But you guys would crack her. She loved the cardio line in that song. Somebody's going to have to dig that song up now and play it because the listeners will be like, what the hell is he talking about? But that was funny. My most successful thing family-wise is my kids thought it was hilarious when I did the thing with the dog and the cat attacking Bill. 
<laughs> so, Terminator the Burning Earth. Bur- bur- what? <sighs> Burning Earth? It's a book. Burning oh, Earth. Shit, I am, read the wrong am thing. I giving away the form? Burning Bird. <laughs> the Burning Bird. The Burning Bush? What? Yeah, oh. no, this this is this one took me almost like a minute to read. <laughs> I was I mean, it's funny, Bill and I were talking about this the other day. I think my synopsis actually has more words than the actual story does, so it's it's kind of I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, do we want to just go ahead and jump right into this thing or you want to give any... the indicia first or no? I, I will I will give some rundown on this. So you know, with this being the third issue, I felt it important to kind of recap where we, you know, the the story so far. Yeah. So, uh, so in issue one, we learn that the war against the machines is now in its fortieth year. The human resistance is led hey. by John Carter. Uh, John, yeah, John Carter. John, John Carter, Connor, warrior of Mars. Yeah. John Connor, rather, uh, who is going by the nickname of Bear for some reason. Did we ever figure that out? Why why he's going by the nickname of Bear? Maybe no. that's his trucker okay. handle. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's either that or rubber ducky. <laughs> well, you've got those two. Who's uh, weary of the fight is about to end it all in the desperate hope of finally gaining some rest and peace when he suddenly finds his resolve. Relaxation and what? West. <laughs> when he finally, when he suddenly finds uh. his resolve to defeat Skynet renewed, which I don't oh, know, Perry. as I thought was a bit of a. Because in one panel, he's about to kill himself, and then the next panel, he's like, damn you, machines, I vow never to give up. I'm like, all right, dude, which is it, you know? It was a very quick turnaround. Anyway, in issue two, the narrative shifts to Skynet's point of view as we learn of a new type of Terminator called Aurora, who appears as a beautiful human female, uh, but it's just as deadly as her predecessor models. Likewise weary of the fight, Skynet decides to up its game and finally take out its remaining enemies in one fell swoop. Later, the humans witness a fleet of HKs fly overhead and realize they are each carrying nuclear bombs. Realizing Skynet is playing its trump card, the Resistance sets out for Thunder Mountain in a desperate race against time to hopefully, finally, Take out the computer menace before it can extinguish mankind once and for all. So that brings us to where we are now so, with the third issue. So that, so that, is that mountain kind of large? <laughs> Big Thunder Mountain? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ain't no mountain high enough. I hope they have a fast pass. <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> this Actually, issue they was... kind of do in this story, but anyway. <laughs> right. Actually, yeah, you're, you're you're right. There is a standby and a fast pass lane in in this story. You're right. I hadn't thought of that. Very good, Bill. So this one is written again, once again, by Ron Fortier, uh, illustrated by Alexander Ross, who we would later come to know is just simply Alex Ross. And uh, editor in chief on this was Tony Caputo. Uh, this, by the way, is a now comic, and I believe Tony was the head of the entire line, if I'm not mistaken. So, so wouldn't this now be a then comic? Right. (laughs) The humans arrive at Thunder Mountain, home of Skynet. We are treated in exposition to a brief recap of Skynet's origins. Proceeding to caravan up the steep, slippery mountain road, they find their way blocked by a line 
of the Cylon-looking Terminators who blast the lead vehicle, setting it ablaze and toppling over the cliff to a fiery end far below. The humans like a 70s movie. Ah! <laughs> right? Oh, sorry. So the humans strike back, but when an HK shows up, they realize that Skynet has simply been lying in wait for them. Miguel takes the hunter-killer out with a rocket launcher. Connor jumps into Sasha's truck and they make a mad dash for it, trying to break through the enemy line. But spotting yet another wave of Terminators headed straight at them with a tank as a backup, Sasha boots Connor out of the vehicle, speeds up, and deliberately rams into the oncoming juggernaut. She pulls the pins. <laughs> she pulls the pins on a box of grenades in the front seat and goes out in a spectacular blast, presumably taking some of the machines with her. Although that is not really made clear by the art or the dialogue, which you know, happens a lot in this issue. I felt like, but there was a big kaboom. <laughs> Elsewhere. Sue and a second squad of resistance fighters witness this explosion. This second group are either attempting their own separate assault on the summit, or uh, the first group was merely a diversionary tactic to allow this group to attempt the true assault. Take your pick. I don't know, because the damn story doesn't make it at all clear. Anyway, after a bunch of muddy art in which something happens and maybe people fell or got blowed up or something, the group manages to reach the entrance to the complex where an entire army of armed male and female Terminators awaits them. So, uh, I had some brief notes on this before we go into... Uh, well, actually, my, mine are in order, so if we want to go through the issue uh, panel by panel or whatever, we can we can go through that, but okay, I just gotta just... say, my right, right out of the gate, though, my, my biggest problem, not just with this issue, but the series so far, is that I don't know or care who any of these goddamn characters are, except for Skynet and Connor. Now, I, I put names in here but, I mean, you actually have to be very actively digging backwards and forwards through all five issues of the series to even learn the names of the characters. And even learning their names doesn't really get you all that much, because all these names get bandied about, particularly in the scene where they're attacked on the ascent. But since I don't know and can't really tell who anyone is, it, it's kind of meaningless. And that was really my problem, is you don't get in... in, in invested in any of these characters you don't get emotionally attached to any of them so the names are almost inconsequential anyway you know except for again skynet you know you know who skynet is from the first movie and you know who john connor is by reputation from the first movie but beyond that these other people now look i can't help it that you can't remember gene tim marissa and Leif. (laughs) all right Now, I know some of them and Bobby from the prior series, but again, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, they just, maybe they they were relying too much on the prior series. Maybe they, you know, in fairness, maybe they were established in the prior series. I, I just don't remember. Did they think the prior long. series had enough circulation that they could be that arrogant about it? That that's, See, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, if you are picking this up anew, off the stands because let's face it it's a quantum leap in the art from the prior series then i think you know they they owe it to you as the reader to kind of set the stage for you you know and they don't have to be elaborate they don't even have to necessarily waste pages of the story doing that they could do that on like the inside front cover give you a recap you know 
a, a list of players, so to speak, you know, so that you at least know who people are supposed to be and what roles they're filling, but they don't even do that. So that that's the thing I, I really found uh, the most off-putting about this, especially with this third issue where people start to die. And if this was a movie, you know, that's what we would judge it on is, you know, whether the deaths were successful or not based on how attached you get to them. I, I think... You know, the the recent Rogue One movie is a really good example of that. I mean, the, one people's big complaint with that movie is that you don't really feel anything at the end when everybody dies, spoiler alert, because you don't have time to get attached to anybody because they don't really take the time to, to make you feel anything or, or know who the hell all the characters are, except for the robot, you know? And that's kind of what it is with this, too. I mean, you, you know who Connor is, but beyond that, everybody else is just kind of... They're, they're, other rebels, you know, they they don't really have any individual identities or anything. I, I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? Is that a valid criticism? I think it is because I, I kind of feel the same way. I didn't really feel any connection with any of the characters. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further, and I don't even feel a connection with John Connor. Right. Which, you know, I, I, the only reason I care about him is because I know I'm supposed to, but I really don't care. Right. right. Yeah. Because that moment with Sasha, you know, in a better written story, sorry, Ron 48, but in a better written story, that probably would have been a really big moment. I mean, I've seen movies like that where that's a big moment where where one of the characters sacrifices themselves for for a greater cause or, you know, in this case, she's sacrificing herself to to save John. She kicks him out of the vehicle and then she goes on a suicide run Mm -hmm. and I got nothing. Because I didn't know who the hell she was. Yeah, and I think that whole scene is drawn and meant to be a cinematic or a theatrical scene, but it just kind of... Right. Uh, yeah, I think it would work better as a cinematic scene, because uh, then you could rely a little bit on the acting of the uh, of the actor to try and make you care a little bit more. But you know, right. in the comic, it just doesn't have that. Well, and what even makes it more cinematic is when there's the final big explosion with the kaboom. It actually pulls out, almost like you're doing a shot that's zooming back from the explosion. And then you see the people looking at it on the other uh, road or cliff face. And they're just like, oh, it sounds like the end of the world over there. So it's, yeah, that, that one is, I mean, if you just isolate that page, that's a pretty cool page. But again... I don't really feel anything for the people in the story. It's kind of like, hmm. right. All right. So what, what's your impression that's going on here? Is this, is this hedging your bets by splitting your team? Or is this the team that was doing the, the vehicular assault was the diversion and the other people are actually the real ones that are intended to make it there. What, what's your feeling on that? Oh, that the vehicular assault's a distraction that they knew this was, you know, they're making the obvious frontal assault. And they're sneaking up the mountain. And I think that kind of, they know that the machines can't climb up after them, which is why they're going up that way anyway as right. well. Right. Except they didn't it, count it for rattlesnakes. It seems to me like, like, like humankind has been depleted so much that it's kind of a poor strategy to just start sacrificing you know, <laughs> groups of them. Yeah, but 
I got to thinking about that after I was listening to our last episode when it got posted, and I can't believe we never discussed this during the actual recording, but there was that comment in the prior issue where Skynet says, I I could probably never find it now, but it, it actually gives a figure on how many people are left. Oh, and I, I, it wasn't until listening back to the episode that I got to thinking, how in the hell does it know that? It's not like you could go out and take a census after a nuclear <laughs> war. You know, how the hell does it know? Yeah, here it is right here. Since realignment, I have eliminated 96.3% of mankind, allowing 37 to exist in evidence of faulty. Pro- now, that's a pretty precise figure. Yeah, how but I still the hell think does it's it a- know that? Well, you figure if it destroyed all the major, um, the major population centers, and then moved on, you know, accounting for that radiation would kill another percentage. Then you'd have people that were living in the outlying areas. I mean, I'd say it's a guesstimate because, yeah, I don't it think seems there was pretty precise for a guesstimate. Yeah, that's though. that's my I... point. Is I mean, you've got to figure people at sea, people in the air. People that you know live in the outback, people that live in you know deep South America that have never seen white people, you know, I mean shit like that. I mean, how the hell does this machine calculate this so precisely well, that maybe, there's exactly three point seven percent of people left? And if there's only three point seven percent of people left out of the original population of the Earth. I'm thinking there's like 12 freedom fighters left in America. You know what I mean? And here we see this this army of humans is pretty sizable, if you ask me, for only 3.7% of the total population. Ah, but remember, this remember. army... Remember, this army was gathered with foreknowledge of the war to come. That's what... So they probably hid waiting for the war to come. Which is why there are so so dense of a uh, of you know of a freedom fighting ar- but army. I, I think that makes my point. If that's true, and I, that's a really good point, then I think that makes my point for me that this machine can't possibly know exactly. Sure, how it could. It p- it sent out not a terminator but a sensinator. <laughs> how many people are living in your house? Hey, hang on, I want to I want to know here. Hang on a second. Siri, what is 3.7% of 6 billion? Are we at 7 billion? The answer is 222 million. 200, oh, shit, that is a lot. 222 million. That's a lot more than I thought. Okay. okay. And now you break that into this is in the United States, which our current population is uh, 350 that's a be- million. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Okay. Why don't you do 3.7% of 350 million? What is the current population of the United States of America? In 2017. The population okay, 3.2. Did you say 3.25? Or I mean 325? I, I said 350. Okay, so it's 320. That's pretty close. All right. Yeah, where'd you put those other 25 million people? What is 3.7% <laughs> of 325 million? It's 12 million. 12 million. 000. Okay, so 12 million. Eh, I don't know. You know man. Well, either they're spread, yeah, whoa, 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 spread across whoa, 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 the country. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Did you just not – have you just missed the irony of what you just did? You just What's asked that? a computer to tell you <laughs> what that was instead of figuring out for yourself. You are the reason why we're all going to die. 
You oh, yeah. moron! Have you ever asked Siri the story of the Terminator? I don't ask Siri things because I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't have Alexa. I don't have Siri. Nothing. I have all my cameras on my iPods and everything else covered because I don't trust technology up to I'll a point. I'll tell you one thing. They're getting smarter that because really I quite annoying. regularly ask her, are you stupid or something? And she actually gave me a pretty smart-ass answer today. So, she probably uh, just laughed at you like, <laughs> I'll kill you later. Yeah, exactly. They're getting smarter. They'll take I'll kill you later. <laughs> but think think about, though, they, what, what did it work out to, like 12 million people in the United 12 States? Million, yeah. So now... Ask Siri what the population of New York is. God. Get a freaking calculator, you guys. As of 2015. 19.7 million people. All right, so so you're taking basically two-thirds of the population of New York and spreading them out over the whole country. (laughs) Yes. Or you're centralizing that group into one area, which would make it easy for Skynet to just kill them all. Yep. No matter which way you slice it, you're screwed. Yep. So sacrificing even one troop, I think, is too much. Unless it's sacrificing that troop with, you know, the ultimate victory in mind. Well, I don't think they plan to die, but I think they, I mean, maybe. (laughs) Well, that's the question we posed, though. Well, I, you know. Maybe they well. Maybe it was you know. No, maybe I, one, I, one one will get through. Maybe one. They got to try more than just one thing because they can't put all their eggs in one basket and try a full frontal assault. They got to have something else in case the other full one full frontal. Like a like, if, I, if I understand Paul's point correctly, I because I, I agree with him. If I understand it correctly, is that it seems like then then you understand it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like. It should be more like a like a Walking Dead scenario where life is extremely precious now, and each one that they lose is a big deal because there's not that many of them left at this point. They are so vastly outnumbered by, you know, in this case, machines as opposed to zombies. But is that what you were machines, going for? Yes, exactly. Machines that can, as you destroy them, they can recreate themselves. Right. You know, you you would have to have children and raise them in order to create a new army. Right, you know, it, it's much more di- much more difficult for the humans to, you know, repopulate than it is the the machines. because I saw I saw there was a, a machine that just was pumping out Arnold's. Right. In the the teaser trailer for Terminator Two. <laughs> the Sensenator. I mean, it just, how many people living in this house? It's Sarah Connor. It, <laughs> what is your given religious those facility? kind of statistics? <laughs> what? Oh. I was. What is your religious preference? <laughs> it just seems like, you know, given those those numbers and those statistics and the situation that they're in, that, you know, unless she had been like mortally wounded already or something, that that Sarah, uh, what's her name, Sasha, whatever the hell, oh, she, her her sacrifice, Sasha Baron Cohen, doesn't seem so much brave as kind of stupid They're because. Nice. You know, it, it's it's like the, I'm reminded of that scene in uh, in the Doomsday Machine. You know, where Kirk says, "You know, we're stronger with you than without you." It's it's that's the situation here. They're stronger with her with than without her. I mean, what does her sacrifice really amount to? She maybe takes the tank out and several, you know, of those, uh, you know, atomic night-looking Terminators, and and that's it. Well, maybe they're all dying of radiation poisoning anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be. 
that could be. I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was a point worth uh, worth bringing up. Still no explanation for those uh, Cylon-headed-looking uh, Terminators, and that, that bugs me a little bit. I, I would like to know exactly what they're supposed to be. I, I, they are kind of cool-looking, though. There's a really good visual when, uh, when they're in interesting What's that? Is, is that they have high beams, <clears throat> if you know what I mean. <laughs> right. They have headlights for pectoral <laughs> muscles. <clears throat> right. Hint, hint. Yeah, I did see that, yeah. Oh, you that's, turn that's the, kind of a turn the headlights off. <laughs> All right. No, I, no, we we I know we mentioned this last time, but I don't recall the response the the answer. This predates the Battlestar Galactica reboot, doesn't it? It's yes. Got to. Yes, it's got because to. this would be, this was the nineties, and that didn't happen until yeah. Early, this actually predates early Terminator Two, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, oh yeah, by about a year. Uh, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yes. Yeah. Yeah, so this definitely is well in advance of that. So I wonder if. The Battlestar Galactica people stole that Cylon design from this. Well, and you remember last last issue we were talking about the thing with the female Terminator kissing right. the guy, which was like a scene out of the uh, mm. pilot for the new Battlestar Galactica. Maybe. Right. So it seems to me like there may be some inspiration taken from this this series there. It's entirely possible. Inspiration is another word for plagiarism. Now, I have a, a serious question for the both of you guys, because I wasn't real Turquoise. crazy about the art in this issue in certain places. So turn to page 15, and there's that part where, I guess it's Jean, she gets bit in the ankle by a snake. From that point forward, from the first panel of page 15... To the last panel of page sixteen, what the hell happens here? Because I don't get it. I'm I'm trying like crazy to piece the puzzle together, and I don't know what's happening here. I I I can't tell by the art what the sequence of events is supposed to be. All right. So the first panel is the is the snake biting her ankle. Now the next right. panel, you could see the snake at her ankle, and she's falling backwards. No, Jean. Wait a minute. Yes, is, look, look is down that at the bottom oh, right hand corner of the woman. second there's, panel. There's the one woman looking back. That yes, that is Jean. Okay, yeah, that that is a woman. I then think. I think as that's happening, I think a blast comes in. Either that's something, either that or something they were carrying. Because when that person, when she falls, because I don't know, did she drop something and it blew up? Well, or what is? They, Going back to the second panel, where where the woman is shouting, "Jean, what is that blue glow right there?" Because is she being like shot? Like at her hip? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Looks like a is. flask. It's what? Looks like a flask. Yeah. Now that could be something that she's dropping that actually causes that explosion. Oh wait, no wait. You know what that is? No, she's I... dropping her gun, and her no, gun no, no, no. Goes no, 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 no. Go back to page thirteen. Look at page thirteen, the top panel. They had lights on their on their waist. Oh, that's you're right. Is. Okay, all it's right. like a, okay. one of the lights you crack. And all right, so that's not falling at all. That's still attached to her waist. Yeah, that's still attached. So right. she's not not dropping anything that we can see. So that must be a shot coming in the oh, blam in the panel three. Did the snake blow up? <laughs> but now how how is it that she didn't fall? Did they uh, say something about there being mines or something like that? Oh, there was a tension. There was. That's right. The other guy found a tension trip mine. 
Okay. Right. Tim, All right. Tim was in I'm front of them. To... Tim's Tim's found a booby trap, some kind of tension mine. And then yeah, so they probably tripped, and they should have done a better job of showing somebody tripping the mine. But then then on the so, side, the next page, it looks like the character Gene, who was falling, has regained her footing, and the other woman falls. Well, in that no, that was Leif that caught her. In no, the first says, panel where she's going, oh, does that mean Gene exploded? Because it looks like guts. I think I think Gene that is could dead. Be. It looks like there's a little piece of snake that hits her in the oh, face. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a snake going up. Ew. You know right, what? I think so, I think my art criticism has picked up a little bit on this. This is so. Well, so Gene blows up and knocks Marissa off the cliff. Well, but yeah, Leif catches well, when her. she got hit in the head with a snake gut, she lost her balance and uh, Leif and caught Leif her. Catch. Okay, all right. See, yeah, I, I, I don't think that's well done at all. People to figure out what the hell's going on here. That—that that was my point. Is yeah, okay. I get it now, but yeah, I didn't. Well, I think one of the criticisms of uh, of Alex Ross as an artist has always been his storytelling. And I think it's apparent in the panels that we're looking at here. I think this is a prime example of poor storytelling by him. Well, I I think he's good at capturing snapshots, but I don't know that he's a strong storyteller, if you know what I mean. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I I don't think he is a a strong storyteller, and I don't think he really ever has been. But he he does a great job of catching individual scenes. Right. He's, He's... He's not unlike uh, what's his name, uh, Sc- Snyder, the, the, the uh, <laughs> Zack Snyder. Right. It, when I watch his movies, he creates individual scenes very well, but he doesn't tell a good story in the way he directs. Right. So, and I'm sure somebody disagrees with me on that, but hey, whatever. They're wrong. Um, <laughs> looking at page eighteen. Now, I both like and hate this at the same time because the idea of the uh, once again, you know, the Cylon atomic night looking uh, Terminators, the idea of them mindlessly throwing themselves off the cliffs in an attempt to, to either, you know, land on or knock the humans off the cliff. That's a cool idea. That's actually pretty neat. No, I thought they were but, trying to climb up from the bottom and fell that they think can't. So? Yeah, that they can't. Yeah, that's what I got okay. out of it. Well, one way or the other, I thought it was kind of neat. You know, that because you go to nineteen, you see them behind the people, and then you see one like um, on the wall. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I do. Okay, I didn't catch that before. You're right. Yeah, they are. They're trying to climb up from the bottom. You're right. I didn't catch that. But that that's a neat idea, though. You know, of having them fall and and taking out some of the humans along the way. But it's all kind of undercut for me by that one panel of the one going, danger, danger. I'm like, is this lost in space? What the hell was that all about? My sensors indicate danger. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's silly. I don't know. What else you guys got on this one? Uh, I I just feel like it's taken us three issues, and we've had so precious little story so far. That's the thing about this that I just find kind of irksome this this you know this a very 90s feel about that that there's just so little it's just a bunch developing. of cool pictures strung together in a theme yeah not really a story it's not it's really not 
even when you get to the end of it, spoiler alert, but even when you get to the end of it, because at first I was like, well, I, you know, I, I wonder, you know, because I forget which one of you guys said it. I think it was Paul said something about, you know, this is probably much better in the in the collected format and everything. But I'm not so sure about that because I sat and read, you know, the entire thing, all five issues at once and still walked away kind of feeling unsatisfied by it. Like, you know, it, it's got some really good visuals and it has some interesting ideas, but it's just how it plays with those ideas. So, I don't know. Even though even though we're only what halfway through, uh I hate to say that this was a case of nostalgia. Well, yeah, I remember that. That was cool. Oh, wait a minute. Hmm. Hmm, it's not as good as I remember it. <laughs> Unfortunately, that happens. I kept thinking I don't know if it was last uh, time we discussed this or if this was a private conversation we had that for some reason in the book, I kept thinking the snake was a Terminator, but then I realized maybe I was crossing, <laughs> crossing my wires. You're thinking with, of Westworld. <laughs> with Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, that snake's Terminator. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, wait. It was what? really, it was really fortunate for uh, Skynet to stumble across a uh, Ray-Ban store in the uh, post-apocalyptic world to supply all these Terminator models with sunglasses. <laughs> and and why do they need sunglasses? Um, for what, what purpose? Does because they... Arnold um, had sunglasses in the first movie to yeah, hide their dead, cold, dead eyes. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I really do come back to your original point, Scott, and I think that's very well taken, is I just don't care about these characters. Right. That there's nothing about this that makes me, you know, when one of them dies, it's like, oh, all right, whatever. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, you're not supposed to feel that way. Maybe the Terminators have a Corey Hart imperative. <laughs> what? Anybody get that? Anyone? Anyone? Is that sunglasses yeah, they at wear night? sunglasses at night. Exactly. Yeah. Musperville. The Terminator, Must- other Terminator that we see in the first movie, did it? Did it have sunglasses on? The Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, no, the Terminator? other Terminator. Uh, pa- uh, J- You're talking uh, about uh, Robert? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. No, the T one thousand. No. Well, in, yeah, in yeah, he did. Movie. He had the mirrored. Oh, what? You mean the one that um, in the flashback scene? Yeah. That the dogs barking. Hmm. I want to say no because I thought I remember their eyes glowing or something. But again, I could be right. misremembering a different right, movie. Yeah. yeah, I don't have a specific memory of. of I remember a guy in silhouette firing a gun, like down a hallway where all the people were, like all the like the, the like the little kid was looking at the burnt out, burning picture inside the TV and the dogs barking and it's in slow mo and the guys coming down the hallway and they're talking about they had rubber skin, blah blah blah. The you know. That's the scene I remember, but I don't remember if he had sunglasses or not. No, he does. I'm looking at a picture of it here on uh, on Google. He does not have sunglasses. Mm. Does it say who the actor was? Um, Corey Haim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Franco it wasn't. Colombo. Oh, he's uh, yeah, he's a Paisan. He... <laughs> yeah, but what he's been in other stuff. Has he? Yeah, Franco. He was, or he was a Mister. Didn't Peter Falk play him? Franco. Yes. <laughs> Franco Colombo is an Italian actor, author, forming champion, bodybuilder, powerlifter, and world's strongest man competitor. 
He does have. Well, I'm looking. I just punched him up on Google, and I'm looking at images, and he definitely looks like Arnold in the uh, pumping iron days. Predecessor. In fact, there's, Arnold there's, Schwarzenegger. A, there's a picture here of the two of them together. He was yeah. also in Gonad the Barbarian and Eraser, both uh, other uh, Conan, uh, other uh, Schwarzenegger movies. Oh yeah, I recognize him. I don't. Well, somewhat. He was he was the strong man in in Big Top Pee Wee. That's awesome. <laughs> He was also in The Running Man. <laughs> who did, do, do we know? Does it say who he played in The Running Man? He played nine one one security officer number two. Steroids make you deaf. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I never, never went on to uh, to great heights of fame. I'm thinking, poor, uh, what the hell was his name? Frank, Frank. Well, no, he was probably, you know, in his own field in the powerlifting and everything. I'm sure he was, he was a force to be reckoned with. He is what? He is almost 78 years old. Wow. Speaking of, uh, uh, did 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 you guys see the guy that attacked Arnold like in South Africa? <laughs> yeah. I the did guy see. did a flying drop kick, and Arnold was like, "What was that? Somebody, somebody bumped into me. What's going on?" He wasn't even phased. Like, if, I'm when surprised you see he from didn't the one... rush that kid yeah. like a grape. <laughs> Pick him up by his neck. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I've tried to get the video of the girl with the jumping, doing the, the rope. Going to strangle you with the rope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did see that. That's funny you ask about that because I was just watching that the other day. I'm like, what the hell was this kid? What, did he have a death wish? I don't know. He did a flying. He, he did a Captain Kirk flying drop kick on Arnold to no avail. Yeah, it was like doing a flying drop kick at a wall because he just fell on his ass. <laughs> and Arnold's like, what, 71? And he just shook it right off. Yep. Way to go. Oh, he's huge. What's he got going on these days? Is he making a... Oh, he does have another Terminator. He's going to be in the new Terminator movie. Yeah, he's got the new Terminator. I don't know. Does that look like it's any good to you guys? Have you seen the trailer? Uh, I haven't seen the trailer. I just saw like a quick clip. Uh, I don't know. You know what? I, I have a weakness for Terminator stuff because even Terminator Salvation, which was admittedly not good, I still enjoy watching. Well, That's, I, That kind of falls in my definition of guilty pleasure. I think they're ta- ta- taking a page from a series of books that took place that continued the T2 storyline right. yeah. called Future War to where yeah. Linda Hamilton's character, uh, where Sarah Connor goes to South America and Sarah meets Connor. up meets up with old Arnold because he was the mold. He was the body mold. He was like a special forces guy. And they used his body as the mold for the Terminator. That's why he looks so when she first hears this guy and sees him in South America, she freaks out because she thinks he's a Terminator, but then realizes he's a human, he he was the basis for the body type, blah, 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 blah. They have a romance, if I remember correctly. And It was like three or four books, but I read it back in the 90s. I read the first one of those, and I had the same thought watching the trailer, is that Arnold's not playing a Terminator, he's playing the the guy that the Terminator's based on. I had the same feeling watching that trailer. I don't know if that's legit or not, but that's that's definitely the vibe that I got from it. Because I, I remembered the same thing. I I don't think I made it past the first book in those, but I, I remember you know bits and pieces. I, I remember some of what you're talking about. 
I finished the series, but it was forgettable towards the end. It was kind of like, yeah, I just got it. Just to, you know, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I do remember those. I, I mean, a... I enjoy, I've enjoyed all the Terminator movies. I never really did any reading of it until we're reading this. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really like the Sarah Connor Chronicles, though. Really, just, it felt very tedious as it went along. Hmm. I thought I. I, I guess you enjoyed it. Well, much like uh, much like Star Trek Enterprise, I felt like it was kind of hitting its stride right about the time that they canned it, which which was a shame. I, but I only watched like the moments. first one or two. It was a really good mm-hmm. one where I can't remember if it was by design or by accident. I think it was by accident. But there was one where a Terminator wound up way back in time. Oh, and, in the 20s? Yeah. And, and he was inside a wall yes. in a speakeasy? That was a really good one. I liked that episode a lot. But the rest of it, uh, in, in Paul's defense, I, I don't remember shit, so that doesn't really speak very highly of it. Other than I was really annoyed by the fact that it ends on a cliffhanger, which I thought was just shit. You know, if if maybe they didn't know they weren't coming back for another season, but I I thought in this day and age, I don't you generally know that whether you you've mm-hmm. been renewed or not for a season. Oh hey, did, I think so it depends just, on the show. I think sometimes sometimes they get an early uh, announcement, but I think sometimes they're right on the fence and they don't know until the season's over. Uh, speaking well, of things that ended on a cliffhanger, did. You did watch the last episode of Timeless, right? When they that oh, they yeah. just just released this to not not just as in recently, but but that they did go back and release to to wrap up the whole series. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, see, that's what I that's what I think they should have done with uh, with the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, but know? that costs money, man. Well, I know it does, but I mean, you know, how shit is that to your fans to you know to just well, it's over. You think they care about us? No, I know, I know they don't. They they only care about it if they think they can get the ratings on it. Where that's do you why, work? Uh, that's why there's going to be the Deadwood movie coming out now on HBO because hmm. they know people will watch it. Yeah. Hmm. But, you know, if if they're not sure they're going to get the ratings, they're not going to do it. And I don't know that a wrap up of the Sarah Connor Chronicles would pull in all that much of an audience. They're better off doing a very Brady Terminator. <laughs> is Alice going to be the Terminator, or is it going to be uh, the Butcher? <laughs> I am Sam the Butcher. It'll be the cousin. Well, you know, the beginning of the Brady theme is not all that dissimilar from the Terminator theme, now that I think about <laughs> it. What? I'm pretty sure James Cameron was started his career on the Brady Bunch. <laughs> I, I was a matte painter for the Brady Bunch. <laughs> that house, not even real. It's just a matte painting. The Brady Bunch. Well, what else do we have on this masterpiece? Mm. Just, just that I'm disappointed. I, I expected more. I expected better. Me too. That's really what it comes I down to. And I'm hoping it'll pick up it. as we get through this more. I haven't read beyond what we've covered. I definitely like the uh, I like the cover to the very next issue. I can't wait till we get to the last issue because there's a big old printing mistake in the fifth fifth issue. I can't wait to talk about. I don't know if you guys caught it or not. Well, you said you haven't read forward. Have you Have you read it all, Bill? Oh, uh, if I did, I missed it, or it's just not clicking. I mean, the art I'm skimming through now, and the art does seem to change a little bit. Uh, I'm looking at the fifth one now, scrolling through. But is it something pretty blatant, or is it like oh, yeah. in yeah. like a, like a description? 
It's 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 dialogue. It basically dialogue gets printed on the wrong page. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. But yeah, we'll wait till we get there. Yep. Well, do we want to grade this? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you did the synopsis. You want to go first? Sure. So the cover. I didn't really describe the cover. The cover is. It's kind of weird. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm not even sure how the hell to describe it, to be honest with you. You've got a fleet of HKs flying overhead from uh, from left to right. And then underneath them, you have uh, a fleet of tanks that are going kind of left to right. Standing in front of them, facing us, is an army of male and female Terminators, all with glowy red eyes. Oh, see, that's why they need sunglasses. <laughs> and then standing in front of them is uh, Ripley holding up the uh, big-ass gun from... <laughs> It's like the gun. Yeah, that's the alien's gun, isn't it? It's got the countdown. It's got the countdown of the ammo. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I'm not crazy about this cover. I'm going to be honest with you. So cover, I think I'm going to go. Uh, eh, I'll go a C. It's kind of middle of the road. It's not awful. I can tell what everything is. I just I don't think it's designed it's particularly me- well. So yeah, it doesn't say buy me. So yeah, I'm going to give it a C as well. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm actually gonna I mean, since we were, since you both jumped in on that I'm gonna jump in as well uh, I I think it's a total mess I don't think it's badly drawn but I think it's got no I, I, no no real rhyme or reason to the composition and I'm gonna give it a D for that reason Okay I think that's fair uh, Into your art I'm really torn on because I like the first page I, I like several things and several panels that happen within the first little bit of the book, some of the visuals of the battle on the, on the road, the precipice, whatever you want to call it, the way up the mountain, several of the visuals are really cool. And I, and I like a lot of them, especially the shot where Sasha sees the next wave of Terminators headed, headed at them. That panel isolated is really cool. I like how it's canted at an angle uh, I like how the Terminators look, you know, with the with the glowy red Cylon eye, and then they've got, you know, the headlights on and all. That's really cool. Um, but then from there, it just it steadily goes downhill. And uh, I'm sorry, I, you know, it, it shouldn't take a three man panel to figure out what the hell's going on in in a couple of pages of your book. I, I really could not tell what the sequence of events was here when uh, what's her name gets blowed the hell up or whatever happens. So, you know, major points off for that. Um, and then I know what he's going for with it being it, it's dark, it's post-apocalyptic, it's raining, all of that. But you could, to me, you should still be able to portray that without the art starting to get muddy and, and hard to, uh, you know, to, to differentiate actions and things like that. You know, it, 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 you should still be able to do it to where it's still clear and and readable and uh, there are some panels where i i don't feel that where i feel it's it, it's it's too muddy for muddy's sake um so art wise ugh, it's it's tough i'm gonna i'm gonna go a, i'm gonna go a b minus i'm not as low on it as as i am on the cover but i think b minus is being very generous because you know if we had a grade for storytelling it would be a it would be a, a very low grade for storytelling well, I, but, but i think that factors into the artwork yeah you know, I, I think that's all part of the artwork when you know when we talk artwork i think we talk plotting you know 
plotting, we talk inking, we talk penciling, we talk coloring. Right. You know, we throw that all into into account. Now, this is a painted book, so you're not going to have inking in it, but, you know, it's still the final product is what you're rating it on. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I I, I think B- minus is more than generous. It probably deserves a little lower than that, but, yeah, I mean, there there is a lot in here that I do genuinely like as well, you know, in the visuals. Um, story is a really tough one to grade on this because, again, I, I completely agree with you, Paul. I don't think we're getting much story. I don't think there's a hell of a lot of story here, quite frankly. I think it's it's a very bare-bones story. And my biggest issue with it continues to be, you know, other than the fact that, you know, I am a human being... You know, I'm going to root for the, the humans to win. But beyond that, why should I give a shit about any of these people? You, you've not given me anything to invest in them as, as people or as individuals. So when they start to get picked off one by one, I, I don't feel anything for them. So, it, you know, on that level, you, you know, I'm just not terribly invested in it. So basically it comes down to a lot of really cool visuals and some neat action. But I'm not getting anything out of the story. Whereas what it's based on, you know, the first Terminator movie, I, I felt greatly invested in those characters. I mean, you come to really feel for both Sarah and Kyle and the predicament that they're in and, and you know, the, the things that they're facing and all of that, you know, in a, in a pretty short period of time. This has got five issues, three of which we've already covered. So we're more than halfway through the series now or, or you know, at the halfway point And... I got nothing, you know? So, story-wise, eh, story-wise, I think I'm going to go a C-minus, frankly. And it probably deserves lower than that, to be honest. But I'm I'm being generous. So, overall grade, I think I'm going to go, uh, I think I'm going to go a B-minus. Okay. Um, Let's see, I already said a D on the cover. The interior artwork. Uh, you know, I see flashes of Alex Ross in here, but I don't see the Alex Ross we're going to get. The Alex Ross we're going to get is still not a great storyteller, but he knows how to show a dramatic image that I don't think we see too much of here. Um, you know, so he he's a work in progress. I, I think he's still, you know, even at this point early in his career, he knew how to draw well or to, to paint well uh so the, the the actual images aren't bad but they are too to use your word scott they're too muddy it's he's trying to set a mood and i don't think he's succeeding um the storytelling is is not great and some of the pictures some of the bodies look a little stiff the way they're drawn they don't look natural fluid to me uh that said, it's still you know it's still some pretty images in this, so I, I I'm torn and I go back and forth on it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with I'm gonna agree with you and say a B minus on the artwork. It's it's definitely not Alex even close to Alex Ross's best work, but there's flashes in there that still make it you know slightly above average. Uh, the story, I, I'm just not 
pulled in on this on on so many levels. This, I'm not pulled in on for the characters, as you said. I don't care for them, but I'm also not even pulled into the drama of the mission that they're on. It does. I'm not feeling it as I'm reading this, and I'm not feeling a lot of forward movement in what's going on as well. Uh, I feel like we're just spinning our wheels here. So I'm going to go with a D on the story, and overall, I'm just going to average it out to a to a C on the book. Hmm. Well, page five. I thought that was a like a Mach one Mustang, but I think that's a Cougar. There on that on page five. What mm-hmm. do you guys think? I mean, if you count the letters on the on the back of the car, that would be the right amount of letters for Cougar. C O U G. Yeah. So, does it say much that that's what really got me j- j- jazzed? Was like, oh, hey, I think that's a Cougar. I'm blowing it up, but I still can't really make. Yeah, it, out. it doesn't really make, but but I don't think it's a Mustang because it's not the right amount of. Uh, actually, the letters are just gibberish, but it is the right amount. Yeah, I'm thinking that's a that's a Ford Cougar, from back or a Mercury Cougar from back in the day. Anyway, um, yeah, like I said before, I think I had a lot of nostalgia coming into this, or maybe I just really remembered issue two, and that stuck in my head. Um, I mean. It's not bad, but like we said, it just doesn't really. I mean, it is telling a story, but I just, I just don't like. You know, you know, I said earlier, it's just a bunch of pretty pictures strung together that don't fully tell us a story or flow us properly. That, like you know, you said we had to sit there and analyze one or two pages just to figure out what exactly happened there. Because right. turn some lights on for God's sake. <laughs> wrong with you people um so i think i'm gonna give the art um i'm gonna give it a c and the story i mean maybe we're just maybe nowadays we're just used to things being spoon-fed to us you know and i mean but well you know what no because we just read fearscape and that wasn't that wasn't spoon-fed to us but but we came to certain conclusions on our own based on the art you know, we we or we are guessing certain things in the story because because I, and like in that book, I think the story and the art were integral together. Here, it doesn't. I don't know. It's just not jiving. I'm going to give the story like a C minus. So uh, just like a C minus for the whole book for right now. Maybe it's going to pick up in the last two. Is it the last two or last three? I thought it was five pages or five issues, but. I could be wrong. What is how many issues it is? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's five. Okay, so we got two more to cover, and we'll see how we do. Yep. Yeah. All right, so that will do it for the burning bed. I mean, uh, burning earth. Uh, <laughs> issue number three, and uh, join us for issues four and five when we get to them. I'm sure we'll have. Many more tangents we can go off on. <laughs> That's but the maybe, best part. Maybe That's we won't. Why. That's why we do it. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. 
Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I've been eating a lot of ice, and I ate too much ice, and it numbed my mouth. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. I'm sorry. I will not chew ice before I do my book anymore because it just is terrible.